Hey, this is Mike Boddington. You're listening to the Core Life Training. What is it? Core Life Training Podcast. Of course it is. With Jeff Olson. Hey, what's up, my friends? It's Jeff with the Core Life Training Podcast. Welcome to episode number one. Uh, in this episode, we have a great question from the Core Life Training class on the Gospels. Uh, we also have a class called The Story of the New Testament, and we have another class called How We Got the Bible. And usually in all three of those classes, this question comes up in some way, shape, or form. And it's basically the question, what is up with four Gospels? Why do we have four Gospels, not just one? What good is it to have four? And is it a problem if the four Gospels don't tell the story of Jesus exactly the same way? So in this episode, I'm going to play you a clip from the class on the Gospels where I take a crack at answering that question. Question. After that, we're going to have a metal moment with one of my favorite bands right now, a band called Vokonis, a killer band out of Sweden. I'll play you a track off their first record, and I hope you dig it the way I dig it. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to share with you my drink of choice. It comes to us from Evil Twin Brewing. It totally rules, and I'll share more about that at the end of the episode. All right, let's get started. Once you grab a Bible, grab a notebook, and grab your drink of choice, and let's get down to business. Okay, um, we also have uh, four Gospels, don't we? So do you find that as a problem, or do you love that? Or do you just don't? I just assume we have four Gospels, so what the heck, right? Four different viewpoints. Four different, okay, so four different viewpoints on Jesus. Okay? Yeah, look and hit him from different angles. Okay? Anybody have a problem that they tell the story differently? So how about this? Gospel of Matthew. Let's think of the Christmas story, which we're about to celebrate. Uh, when we do the Christmas plays, we do a mashup of Matthew and Luke. We don't do either one of them. We do a total mashup. Okay? We just smash the stories together and put kids in robes and get donkeys on the stage and hope that it goes well. Okay? Uh, but in Matthew, the angel, angels appear to Joseph, and they warn Joseph about uh, what's coming, and they tell Joseph about the sun that's coming and how that's happening. And then um, later, wise men from the east come and visit the, the baby Jesus, who's probably a couple years old by that point. Um, then Herod kills all the children two years old and younger in that region. That's Matthew's version of the story. In Luke's version of the story, there's, there's no angels that meet Joseph. Who gets the angelic visit? Well, actually, who, how does... How, yeah. So, yes, Uncle Zacharias, Uncle Zacharias gets the angel visit. Mary gets the angel visit. And the angel explains to Mary what's going to happen. By the way, John the Baptist is in the birth of John the Baptist starts Luke's version of it, not Matthew's. No, he comes later. Okay, But when Luke tells the Jesus birth story, there's a guy named John the Baptist involved in it. And... It's not wise men that come and visit. It's who? Shepherds come and visit. Now, what do we do when we do the play? Everybody comes and visits, right? We got shepherds and wise men, and you got kids who play trees over on the side, and they're there visiting, and everybody comes to visit. And if you read where they come to visit, they don't come to visit in the same place, but in the play, they're all right there at the manger in the... In the uh, in the, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? In the stable, yeah. Yeah, right, they're all there. 
I'm pretty sure it didn't happen that way unless you mash the stories up. Okay? Uh, Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, where's Jesus? John, it's all, he's at the Sermon on the Mount. It's called a mountain. In Luke's version, where is Jesus? Not you, Ryan. Where, where is Jesus on the, in Sermon on the Mount? And Jesus in what? Yeah, he's in, he's in, he's, yeah, let's look at, uh, I think it's, let's look at Luke. Luke chapter 6. So, verse 12. At that time he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer, and then he came and he called his disciples and he chose 12. And then Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place. And there was a huge crowd and a great throng. And all the people were trying to touch him. And turning his gaze towards his disciples. So now it doesn't seem like he's talking to the crowd, like it seems in Matthew. He's talking to the disciples specifically. Blessed are the poor. Not the poor in spirit, but the poor. You, have, you don't have any trouble with this. How come? Because we just mash it up in our minds. Oh, it's all true. Mash. Now, scholars don't just let that slide, right? Biblical scholars don't just go, yeah, what the heck? Like, biblical scholars want to know, like, it's one thing to have two or three or four versions of a story. It's another thing when two, three, or four of them don't seem to jive. You know what I'm saying? If four people say, I saw the accident, there was a blue truck and a red car. And then one guy says, oh, yeah, and there were people crossing the street. And another guy says, um, the ice cream shop was across the road. Well, what's common? The blue and red car. Everybody agrees there. It's a problem if one guy says there's a blue and a red car, and another guy said, no, it was actually a guy on a bike and a train. <laughs> right? You, you can't just mash that up. Well, this train came by and ran into a blue, car, a blue car, which then hit a bike and then hit the... You can't just mash it up. Right? So they tell the story from different points of view. Uh, some scholars would argue, actually, they tell different stories. Okay? They tell different stories. So historically, we've had a problem that we've had to solve related to four Gospels. we really got to think this through. How does this work, that there are not just four versions of the story, but four versions that seem relatively different at key spots? And that has been a problem historically for the church. What do we do with four versions? Um, One solution is to only have one Gospel. That would have solved this right away, right? Let's just, let's authorize. Guys, we got to get our story straight. I mean, if we're going to tell the world about Jesus, let's at least tell the same story. Okay, so let's get in a room, you know, let's work through what did you see, what did you hear, and let's, let's get the authorized version of the gospel. And then there's no debate. Like, this is the inspired. That would have been such an easy solution, wouldn't it? It would have solved everything. Um, if you remember last time we met, we talked about a guy named Marcion. And this guy uh, in about 140 A.D. Uh, did exactly that. So he said, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, sorry, Matthew, Mark, and John are all sort of legalists. And they p- pollute the true gospel, the true Pauline gospel. So Marcion was a big Apostle Paul fan. And uh, so... Marcion's canon had some of Paul's letters, not all of them, because some of them really sounded Jewish and had Jewish law stuff in it, so he rejected all that. So some of Paul's letters and, and a really edited version of the Gospel of Luke. And for Marcion, that solves all that. We get rid of all this, all this hard-to-understand stuff about the law and how do Jews fit in this, and it's, we got 
Paul's theology and sort of Paul's version of the gospel, and it's very clear. And that would have been such an easy solution, wouldn't it? We got one story, and Marcion got rejected immediately. And he didn't like it. He went to Rome to like become famous and tell his story and like become a leader. And the church looked at him and went, well, you're out of your mind, dude. Like This is clearly not what we're doing. And so he just went and started his little cult. So Marcion's version of solving the four gospel problem is let's just have one gospel. Uh, that got rejected right away. Okay? Um, the common solution is to make a harmony of the gospels. You know what a harmony of the gospels? Have you heard of a harmony of the gospels? What's that? Yeah, you're basically taking all of the accounts of the Gospels and you're sort of trying to put them in uh, a chronological order or an order that makes good sense. And you've got you know, Matthew's version of it and Mark and Luke's version of it. And you take the parts of it that fit in between each other, right? And you, you harmonize them so that they... What is it to harmonize? It's to sing one song, Right? Different notes, but we're singing one song together. You can buy a Harmony of the Gospels right now. You can go, to the, you can go on Amazon or go to the Christian bookstore and you can get a Harmony of the Gospels. Um, and that's, that's real neat. Uh, just so you know, you, some of you know this by now. If I say it's neat, do you know what I, do you know what I mean? Yeah, do you, if you say something, I go, that's neat. Just, just know right now, I think that's totally lame. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you can, you can totally get on Amazon and buy a Harmony of the Gospels. I'm not sure why you would, but you could. Uh, so you combine the four into one smooth story. Um, there's a guy in 170-ish AD named Tatian, and he created what's called the Diatessaron, which in Greek just means through four, through four. So he took them and sort of wove them together to make, to make one story. Um, and our, like I said, our Christmas plays are based on that. We take, well, we got the shepherds visiting, and then the wise men visit, and then there's angels to Joseph and angels to me, you know, like, and we just blend it all together, and then we make a play out of it. Um, when we come to the Sermon on the Mount, what do we say? We say Jesus went up to the mountain, like Matthew says, and Luke says he went up there to pray and decide about his disciples, and then in Matthew, it says he's talking to the people on the mountain. But really what he did is he came down to a flat place that's still on the mountain and talked to his disciples, but all the people were there and they could overhear the conversation. That's a harmony of Matthew and Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? Um, as I said, that's neat. Here's one problem. If the Lord wanted to inspire a version of the gospel story like that, is he smart enough to do that? Totally. But he didn't. We don't have a blended version. We have four. We have four distinct, unique uh, versions of the story of of Jesus. So um, a harmony of the gospels is one solution. Um... The cur- a current solution, uh, a current solution in, in modern critical scholarship right now is to just forget about the texts at all. And the goal is to find the historical realities behind the text. You know what I'm saying? So here's, here would be uh, 
Jesus on the mount and his disciples, right? That's the story of it. And modern scholarship doesn't care at all about that. It's wanting to know this question. What was it like here? And if we could just recreate this historical event, then we could really understand what was going on. Um, Several problems with this project. Number one, no one can reliably restore any historical event. All you have are records of the event that are shaped by historians. Uh, Maybe you can find um, artifacts, fossils, or whatever. But all that has to be interpreted. So you can't actually reconstruct an event. You're taking your best guess at it uh, in the first place. Um, Secondly, and more importantly than that, in, in my mind, is what the Apostle Paul says in Second Timothy three sixteen. Anybody know what that says? All Scripture is God breathed. It doesn't say every event is God breathed. It says the scriptural story about all those events, the scriptural interpretation of the events is inspired. So, three men died on a cross. Right? There were two guys with Jesus. Historically, what you have is nothing more than three criminals that died on a cross. If you just recreate that event apart from Scripture, that's all you have. Or there were rumors that this guy was a false messiah, or blah, 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 blah. Apart from the story of Scripture, you, have, you don't have any interpretation of that event. It's the Scriptures that tell me, you know, something very special was happening in that moment. Right? The, the Son of God, the King of all the earth, was dying on the cross in our place for our sins so that if we would repent and believe, God would forgive us. Like that, You can only get that understanding of that event in Scripture. And that understanding of that event is the inspired understanding of it. Okay? So modern scholarship really doesn't care much at all, uh, whether Old Testament or New Testament studies, doesn't care much at all about the text. Uh, as it's shaped right now, as we have it in the, in, in the scriptures. Uh, there's a movement in conservative Bible school and conservative seminaries to maybe take the texts as we have them more seriously. Um, one of my, my mentors, Dr. John Salehammer, uh, was kind of one of the leading proponents of that method, and uh, a lot of his guys that came after him, uh, and now there are guys that came after the guys that came after him, I'm one of the guys that came after the guys that came after the guys. And guys that are my generation are now in seminary helping people understand the text as we have it. Uh, so that's a super great turn, I think. Um, unfortunately, pastors aren't helpful sometimes here. Right, Ryan? Some, not, not Ryan, but <laughs> Ryan, Ryan agrees with me on this. That every, at every point, pastors read about Jesus going up the mountain and then immediately go, you've got to imagine what it must have been like there. Can you just feel the wind blowing through your hair and Imagine how it must have been hard to hear Jesus, and so people must have crowded right up next. They immediately leave the text and go to, you got to imagine what it must have been like. So they're just recreating the event in their mind at that point. Okay? I'm concerned with what the text says. And the text, as we have it, is not mashed. Right? It's not mashed. It's not one. It's not mashed. And modern scholarship avoids the problem altogether by saying we don't really care about the text as we have it. We're really 
focused on the events and trying to reconstruct them, reconstruct the background out of which these texts came. Does that make sense? My point is, the church didn't take the easy way out here. I mean, this is hard. Like, well, you got poor in spirit and poor. On the mountain, on the plain, that's hard. And the easy way out would have been one gospel, let's harmonize them all, let's forget it and just deal with the history and not the text. And that none of those solutions are the way the church took it, which is shocking if you think about it. We took the hardest way through it. We kept four that tell it from different points of view. And uh, our solution, the canonical solution here, the solution of the canon, is four gospels. Right? The church received four gospels as the inspired word of God. Four versions of the story of Jesus. Um, and they received them as we have them, not mashed up or mixed up or rearranged or as they're told. And the meaning of the life and death and teaching and miracles and ministry of Jesus is in those texts as we have them. You don't have to recreate the historical events behind them to get the meaning of those texts. It's important that there is a Jerusalem, right? And that there was a Golgotha. And it's important that a guy named Pontius Pilate really lived. That's important historical information. But you don't have to become an archaeologist to understand the, the meaning of the life and ministry and teaching and death and resurrection of Jesus. Like, that's in, in the text as we have them. There was no move on the part of the church to just make one gospel. That move got rejected right away. There was no move um, to harmonize it all. I mean, I gave you some examples, but there's no textual evidence of like, oh, there's a version, there's a manuscript. There's a manuscript with a harmonized version. It's not that way. Some, some people did that later on down the line. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk just here. You're, you're going ahead. Did you read the notes? We're, we're kind of going to deal with that question. Why do we have four, and what's the function of four Gospels? Um, uh, credibility's, uh, credibility, I think for some people that might be helpful. For some people they may go, but you see the differences? That actually ruins it for me. You guys can't even get your story straight. So it depends on who you are. If you're a believer, you're inclined here, right? So, the, yeah, there's four. That Lends credibility to the story. If you're not a believer, if you're skeptic, you're looking at it going, I don't know about this. It sounds like these guys were making up some stuff and they can't even get their story straight. Um, so, I, you know, I, I want to talk about how the four function together. Like, what is the function of four Gospels? Um, but ultimately, we have four individual accounts that are tied together with titles. The account according to Matthew, according to Mark, according to... That, that, that title ties them all together not mashes them up, just ties them together. We're going to tell one story four ways. Okay, so let's just wrap this, uh, this section up on the whole issue of four Gospels. Uh, like I said, our, our canonical solution is to keep four Gospels um, as we have them, not mashed up or anything like that. And then functionally, just thinking through how these Gospels work, uh, as you were saying earlier, there's more than one way to tell the story of Jesus. There's more than one way to describe who Jesus is, right? That's what four Gospels tells us. There's more than one way to describe who he is. Um, You could describe Jesus as the prophet uh, who is like Moses. That's one way that the Gospel of Matthew portrays Jesus. He's the prophet like Moses from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. 
Moses says, the Lord will raise up from you a prophet like me, and you shall listen to him. And the Gospel of Matthew portrays Jesus as that prophet to whom we should all listen. And you know from Exodus that to listen to the voice of the Lord means to trust him so that you would have faith in his prophet. So one way to describe Jesus is the prophet like Moses. Um, Another way to describe Jesus would be the suffering servant, the servant who came and suffered. That would be maybe more how Mark describes him or portrays him. Another way is to say he's the deliverer of the poor and afflicted. It would be like maybe Luke's version. Or he's the king over all the nations and all peoples. That would be Luke's, Luke's version. Or he's the revelation of God would be John's. So there's, there's more than one way to tell the story of, of who Jesus is. That's one thing, or that's one issue related to having four Gospels. There is more than one way to talk about who Jesus is. However, the canonical four Gospels are the limits for how you can describe Jesus. You see what I mean? There's different ways to talk about who Jesus is, but you don't get to talk about who Jesus is any old way you want. Right? These four Gospels limit us. They're God's own description of who Jesus is. And so they limit how we can describe who Jesus is. You can't describe him as just a good man and a good teacher. That's not a canonical version of Jesus. So you don't get to describe him that way. Lots of people do. I mean, I guess you get to, but you'd be in total rebellion against Scripture at that point if you're concerned about such things. You don't get to describe him as a good moral example only. I mean, he certainly was that, obviously. He lived a perfect life in our place. But we don't get to describe him as only a good moral example because that's not a canonical description of him. Um, we don't get to describe him as the first created being and the brother of Satan. Why not? The Mormons do. Because that's not a canonical version of who Jesus is. There are limits to how we get to describe. He's not the last prophet before Muhammad who was taken away from the cross, who didn't actually suffer and die, but was taken away from the cross and raised up to heaven. You don't get to describe his story that way. Islam does, but we don't get to. How come? Because that's not a canonical version. So four Gospels tell me there's more than one way to look at this story and describe who Jesus is. But four also tells me there are limits to how we get to describe him. All right, dig it, man. I hope that was helpful for you as you think about the New Testament and the four Gospels that are in the New Testament. All right, so let's get down to the metal moment with one of my favorite bands right now. It's a band called Vokonis. They come from Sweden. And I came across this band from a podcast called The Electric Beard of Doom that Pat Harrington from the band Geezer does. You guys should definitely check out The Electric Beard of Doom. It's a killer podcast. Uh, Pat goes over just all kinds of great new music that's out there and music that's been around for a while. Anyway, it's a great podcast. I totally dig it. And that's how I ended up finding Vokonis. Their first record came out uh, in 2016. It's a record called Old One Ascending. Their follow-up called The Sunken Gin came out in 2017 and also totally rules. So these guys are like heavy. They're tight. I mean, they're just killer. I can't I just can't even say enough about how awesome these guys are. So they're like a smaller band. They tour around Europe and stuff like that. They're, you know, not a major label giant or anything. And so my hopes of ever seeing them live, I, I felt like we're uh, slim to none and forget it. But just found out that they are going to be in Indianapolis for a music festival in October. So I'm uh, going to start saving uh, nickels and dimes from collecting cans and stuff like that so I can make my way to Indianapolis and check these guys live. 
All right, so I want, I want to play you track one off of Old One Ascending. It's called Old One. The track is about eight minutes long. All their stuff is relatively long like that. Put some headphones on, grab your drink of choice again, and kick back and listen to this one.
So that was Old One by Voconis. You guys should hit the link below, check out their music, check out their merchandise, and uh, support a killer, killer band, and I hope to see them in Indianapolis in October. And finally, this episode's drink of choice was Even More Jesus Imperial Stout from Evil Twin Brewing. Now, I'm a stout guy, man. I, I love dark beers. I love heavy, thick beers, and this one is heavy. It's thick. It pours out like motor oil. Tastes like chocolate and coffee. I mean, this is just an unbelievable tasting beer. And sometimes, you know, like beer names um, are pretty awesome, but then the beer doesn't live up to the hype. Like this name is amazing. Even more Jesus. Look, I, I love Jesus and I want more Jesus. So if there's a beer that is called Even More Jesus, you know I'm totally into that, right? But the beer actually lives up to the name Even More Jesus. It really is awesome. So that's Even More Jesus Imperial Stout from Evil Twin Brewing out of Stratford, Connecticut. And if you're into that kind of thing, I would definitely encourage you to check those guys out. All right, that's it for this episode. Just so you know, I'm going to leave links to the Core Life Training Facebook page and to our Instagram page. And you can follow Core Life Training there. You can get all the information that you need about upcoming classes, both live and online. You can find out about upcoming podcast episodes and just keep up to speed with everything that we're doing. All right, so check all that out. And thanks so much for listening to this episode. My name is Jeff Olson. I teach the Bible and I will check you later. Later.